This is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast Podcast. It's Tuesday, September 12th, 2023, and this is the Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 273. Make sure you subscribe to the show. It's available across every downloadable podcasting platform. Find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, and Google Podcasts. Check out the Steak for Breakfast link tree that'll take the show's Instagram, our latest Substack, and verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and True Social. What's up, everybody? We've got a big Tuesday edition of the show getting the week kicked off right today. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo! We've got a great slate of guests coming in. We're going to be sitting down with the official spokesperson, for Donald Trump, Miss Liz Harrington. We're also going to be sitting down with Newsweek editor-at-large and podcast host Josh Hammer. Kevin Basobic will be joining us for the first time, and we'll sit down with Nevada senatorial candidate Dr. Jeff Gunter, as it's always great talking with him. Lots of breaking news. Joe Biden had a disastrous Indo-Asian G20 trip. You can only imagine. And then we'll tell a tale of two 9-11s. Don't worry, we've got all the highlights. Donald Trump rocked events in South Dakota and Iowa over the weekend. We've got full coverage of that. And Congress is back up on Capitol Hill. And you've guessed it, it's an absolute dumpster fire. We'll bring you the latest. But before we get to any of our headlines, let's take it over to Bedminster, New Jersey, and change the way you consume your news. Smokey, this is not NOM. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak. So stand by. All right, everybody, welcome to the Steak for Breakfast podcast. I'm Rowan. Noah's here as well. Yo. If you're a first-time listener, welcome to the show. If you're a long-time listener, of course, welcome back to America's fastest-growing political podcast. Okay, and getting things started today, we're joined by the official spokeswoman for the 45th President of the United States, Mr. Donald John Trump, Ms. Liz Harrington. Thanks for joining us on the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to have you back. I've seen you putting out a lot of... Uh, fiery but mostly peaceful interviews throughout the course of the weekend as you always do so we're hoping to look for a little bit more of that today here to get our tuesday edition of steak for breakfast kicked off liz donald trump just finished a extremely successful and busy weekend he was in south dakota on friday night rocked the house with governor christy gnome uh he parlayed that into a trip down to iowa for the iowa iowa state game on saturday awesome looked like wherever he went he was warmly received and Loved as always. And then yesterday put out a pretty meaningful statement. Not a lie-filled one like Joe Biden's, but but really a heartfelt one on the anniversary of the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Do you kind of want to go through that with us and our listenership and kind of unpack that uh, to get the show started today? Sure, yeah. I mean, it was really an incredible weekend, and it shows just the complete contrast between the lack of leadership, I mean, that you have, sitting in the White House. I mean, the guy couldn't even go to one of the memorial sites because they're so afraid that he's just going to, you know, fall or lie like he did in his speech in Anchorage. I mean, just a total disconnect in that he's going to probably get booed wherever he goes. And then you look at President Trump. I mean, has anyone ever seen anything like it? (laughs) Has any person in politics ever been as warmly received as President Trump is. I mean, the mobs of people following him around this weekend, I mean, the huge, great crowd in South Dakota, but then at in Iowa, when he, when he went to the frat house, I mean, it was just incredible. 
uh, everyone should go back and watch the RSBN feed of that whole event because it was just, it was great. And it just shows, I mean, this is a movement that literally attracts people from all walks of life. Uh, young people love President Trump, uh, all, all demographics, every, people that will not vote, by the way, for your average run-of-the-mill establishment Republican. That's not, it's just not going to happen. You're not going to get this type of uh, crowd out. You're not going to get this passion out. And you're not going to get uh, the results either, obviously. And that's why he has this much support. So I think just every single step of the way this weekend, uh, it, it was just incredible. And it shows you why he's surging in the polls. It shows you why uh, he's going to win next year and it's not going to be close. No, it certainly isn't. And, you know, when you look at just the numbers, I mean, even the Vegas odds that, that come out where the people do like the little money. Inv- I mean, Donald Trump's now over 70 percent. It's like when the people who promote this stuff online have money involved, you could tell that's where like if the polls are accurate or not. You know, <laughs> it's, it's like everybody, every poll has their little bias on whether it's like kinds of voters or, or you know, types of questions they ask or cross tabs. But when you get into like the Vegas odds and Donald Trump's 72 percent as of yesterday, it's like you have to understand that, you know, as much as the mainstream media wants to make it not so much the case, even though we're starting to see them break down a little bit over the course of the last couple of weeks and, and admitting some very good things for America first, like Donald Trump can not only beat Joe Biden in a head-to-head matchup, but do it by winning states like Pennsylvania and Michigan again. Uh, you know, I heard that on CNN yesterday. I was like, wow, that's a that's a definitely come-to-Jesus moment for them. So, But, you know, it, it's one of the things you, you can't deny it. Liz, when, when he was in South Dakota this weekend, I think the optics of him and, and Governor Christy Nome were really good. I, I think that she's been a strong ally and supporter of President Trump for a long time. And it's good to see her go out there and, and make the endorsement. Do you want to talk a little bit about the relationship that they had? I mean, they she was at the White House several times throughout the course of his presidency, working on things on whether it was uh, having to do with energy in her state. Obviously, throughout the course of the pandemic, she was one of the strongest, if not the strongest, governors in in means of keeping her state open and free, including, you know, work and education. And then a lot of people don't realize this, but Governor Noem is often found at the U.S. southern border uh, talking about and advocating for, you know, the border security that we had during President Trump's first administration. Right. And so, yeah, they have a good relationship going back throughout his his first term, really. And, and remember, he gave one of the best speeches in front of Mount Rushmore. Yep. Um, and that was, I mean, at a time when you know they were saying you can't, you can't go out, you can't gather together, you can't do you know do anything, and he went there. She, I mean, they had a great fireworks display in Mount Rushmore. It doesn't get any better than that. I mean, they had the flyovers and everything else, but the substance of that speech was just so amazing. And so yeah, they have a great relationship. It was a big endorsement. Uh, the crowd this weekend was absolutely incredible. I mean, you can always tell what the energy is like, even if you're not there, by like how long President Trump goes. He went over two hours. Yep. He was having a really good time. Uh, it was a great speech once again. And, you know, it's just there were some really powerful moments there of which just shows you why he's doing so well and why this movement is getting even stronger it's because he cares so much about the country. And there are a couple moments there and just you step back and you look at what's happened and what they're doing. It's heartbreaking. And President Trump is the only person who not only understands it, but who 
is equipped to do something about it. And so it's great to have some of these allies uh, like Governor Nome. It's great to have people that kind of set the record straight to, you know, she didn't lock down. There's all this rewriting of history going on. Um, but it, it's just President Trump remembers. And if people have his back, you'll have theirs. But uh, it's really about just getting his country back. And we need good, strong allies uh, all across this country, and especially in the Republican Party, because they're it's been sorely lacking of late. There's really just been no action. And we we have to have some real conviction, some real action from our our leaders in Congress to really do something because it can't just be President Trump. I mean, he will do it if it's only him, but we, we need people to really wake up and and start acting to help fix our country because, I mean, it, it's just going, it, we're in such bad places, such dark places that we've never been before. We need unity. Uh, we need a strong, real opposition. And a lot of times it looks, you look around, it looks like we don't really have one. No. Well, that's it right there. And I think what they do in place of that is what I want to touch on next. Just briefly, Liz, because I know, number one, you're not a legal expert. Number two, you're not a lawyer or working on any of these cases. But when you just see some of the stuff that's going on uh, regarding some of Donald Trump's legal cases right now, I mean, obviously they're calling for Judge Chuckin to be removed from the Washington, D.C. case due to the fact that we could say all the bad stuff that she's done over the course of her career. She was involved in Russiagate. I mean, that's pretty <laughs> much it. You don't have to go any further than that. She's compromised. She shouldn't be on the case. You've got Jack Smith. So breaking news today, obviously, Kevin McCarthy announced that they're going to open a formal impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden. So that means Jack Smith will be coming within the next 24 to 48 hours with some superseding or new indictments for Donald Trump. <laughs> and then down in Fannie Willis, it looks like her there's so much not there there in the Georgia case that she's like outsourcing law firms to come in here and try to find something to make it stick to Donald Trump and the other co-defendants in that case. I mean, when you just look at the blatant lawfare, the American people have already woke up to this. You have news outlets like CNN and MSNBC who are going around finally starting to admit like, well, we're going to have to figure out something else because this really doesn't look like it's going to do anything. I mean, how does the man deal with this on a daily basis? You know, it's incredible. I mean, no one else could deal with this. And, you know, yeah, I'm not a lawyer, but I can read the Constitution. I can read the Bill of Rights. And you can see how these, they're just being shredded. I mean, they're literally just uh, making it a crime to disagree with the government, <laughs> which is literally, I don't know why this nation was founded in the first place. <laughs> Rights of conscience. I mean, an ability to assemble and petition uh government for grievances. I mean, these are just fundamental rights and they are just destroying it. And it's sickening. Um, no, it's, there's no way that this judge should, should be allowed in DC to oversee this case. She's specifically said President Trump should be in jail yep. for January 6th. How is he supposed to get a fair trial? I mean, and it's obvious. I mean, they have stacked the deck. They've brought it in this jurisdiction where you've seen the polls do, where you have all of these, you know, hyper left wing zealots who are just chomping at the bit to sit on the jury because they want to convict. I mean, that's what the polling is saying in D.C. So he can't get a fair trial here. He can't get a fair trial with this judge. I mean, you mentioned some of the conflicts of interest. I mean, I believe she worked at Hunter Biden's law firm yep. and the mm. big Democrat law firm. I mean, this is a joke. 
they're not even they don't even have a pretense that this is going to be fair. It's just a show trial. They want to rubber stamp a conviction, but uh, which will be totally fraudulent and will obviously would get overturned if it comes to that. But it's good that we have the lawyers fighting this on each and every angle, because I mean, this is this is why this is so important. I mean, they can do this to President Trump. They can do it to anybody. And they already have been. I mean, look what they're doing, putting, you know, proud boys in jail for two decades that weren't even at the Capitol. And when you had FBI informants, you know, be uh, just infiltrating their group like left and right. I mean, the whole thing, they did not get a fair trial on D.C. Whatever you think of these different groups or anything else, we're talking about fundamental constitutional rights that are just being destroyed. And I mean, really, we should be outraged for they're the most controversial people. Maybe they are. Maybe they aren't. I don't really know much about them, but. We should be more outraged about that because that means our less controversial speech, they can do it to to us, too. I mean, it's just it's so outrageous. It's it's not America. And this is why he's fighting this. I mean, and this is why he's the only one who really can. I mean, he's the only one that can withstand all of this. He's the only one who can fight on four different fronts (laughs) with this lawfare. It's actually even more than that because they're bringing civil cases. They're bringing... And how many witch hunts have we seen over the past eight years? But he's doing it because he knows we won't have a country left. It's it's so much bigger than about him. And they they go after him so much because he's their only real threat. I mean, that's obvious. Yeah, they could make it however they want. Like, oh, we want to run against Trump, this, that, and yeah. Listen, they wouldn't pay him no mind if Donald <laughs> Trump wasn't a threat to them, and, and that's definitely the the angle that they're taking using all these different methods. I mean, everything from the this, I'm going to just say it, the stupid-ass <laughs> thinking <laughs> that they could use the 14th Amendment to remove him from ballots, and, like, the Supreme Court would let that happen all the way down to the <laughs> lawfare and, and the civil suits and all the other junk and smears they want to make with him about on the news. Liz, last thing I want to talk to you about, kind of previewing the end of the week donald trump will be speaking at the pray vote and stand summit in washington dc on friday that's with the uh family research council annual summit that he's attended before how important is it for president trump to continue to get out to these events and to you know share the values of america first and support the wholesomeness that that we see from from groups such as this Oh, it's super important. Yeah, he's going to be doing two big speeches in D.C. on September 15th. He's also doing uh, the Women's Leadership Summit. And as you mentioned, the Family Research Council. I mean, these are really important events. I mean, he gives a great speech no matter where he's speaking. But I mean, he's the only one that can really uh, articulate these issues with credibility because he's acted on them. He's been a just leader like we've never seen. I mean, plenty of politicians talk and say they're going to do things. Only President Trump actually delivered, actually followed through because he truly believes in it. He truly believes in American values. Uh, And just look at his family life. Look at his life before he was in politics. I mean, he lived the American dream. He loves it. Uh, He loves this country so much. So these events are going to be really important. It's always good for him to get out and kind of the rally setting, but also at kind of more, you know, formal events, getting really substantive down the issues, because, I mean, he's all issues based. It's another thing that the media just totally lies about. He's all about doing things. He's all about delivering. 
Uh, and that all is about delivering on issues I and mean, substance. It's not just, they always claim it's personality and it's drama and all this, that, and the other, and it's not, it's results. And that's actually why they're so scared of him and scared of this movement because <laughs> he gets things done uh, and he has a track record to prove it. So those are going to be really good, uh, strong speeches. you got to tune into him uh, this weekend. And we'll be providing full coverage of them on our Tuesday edition of Steak for Breakfast next week. Liz, we're going to live link the Trump campaign in the show description today. If there's anyone that's not following you on social media, where can they check you out? Go to Truth Social. I'm at Real Liz USA. And she's always great providing fire content and commentary when she joins us here on the show. This is the official spokeswoman for President Trump, Ms. Liz Harrington. Thanks for getting things kicked off today. Great, great to be with you guys. Thanks again. And I particularly want to thank Prime Minister Modi and the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salam, so, excuse me, Mohammed bin Salam, and uh, President von der Leyen and the European Commissions. And since it's, uh, he's not speaking today, uh, I wanted to, well, maybe he is speaking today. I had a note he wasn't speaking. At any rate, I'm, I'm going to stop there. Thank goodness he did. Wow. <laughs> that was Joe Biden on the tail end of his disastrous G20 summit and stop in Vietnam. The tail end of his usable lifespan, too. Before making a uh, layover yesterday in, in Alaska to remember 9-11. We'll get to that in a bit. Mm. So... Jumping into the news portion of our show, and it was great sitting down with the official spokeswoman for President Donald J. Trump, Liz Harrington, as it always is. Can't think of a way to uh, better start off the show than a little fiery but mostly peaceful Liz. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're going to get to everything today. Busy news day. I know when you're first jumping into the show, you're hoping that we were able to get the uh, drama on the House floor. And yes, we've got it on the back end of the show, so don't worry about that. But we're going to go through the weekend that was and the way that the week kicked off uh, up and through yesterday, which was the 9-11 Memorial holiday. So Joe Biden couldn't complete a sentence. Shocker. Nothing new. And made gaffe after gaffe throughout the course of his trip. I mean, everything from him talking and not being able to remember names to him getting his microphone turned off and having KGP uh, usher everybody out of the press conference. We'll, we'll hear that one in a sec. They're, they're, they're moments away from just getting the big candy cane hook and yanking him off stage. Well, he literally said at one point, oh, I just want to go to bed. Well, that's the first honest thing he said in a while. I want to go to bed. I want to get off. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to play president I want my, my Jeep dealership and hula hoops back. You just tell Obama that he can just take over. Can, it, can I say, vote for me and you're not black again? No, Joe, it's not that time yet. Mm, give, it a, give it a few months. Damn it. So, yeah, it was not a good trip. I mean, even the, the official White House account posted a picture of Joe Biden thanking the president of Vietnam when he was with another member of the party there in picture. Really? Yeah, KJP's... Oh, for a lot lately, as far as running his Twitter account. Maybe they were just trying to make it so he wasn't looking as wrong as he was. Like, well, we'll just put a, put a picture of whoever he said he was talking to. We'll just we'll just we'll just go with what he says. Yeah, it's like uh, we'll threaten to kill him if they don't change their names. They probably sat down and were like, "Well, he's fucked up everybody's name for the entirety of this trip, so let's just put up the wrong picture yeah. and, and thank the wrong person on his official Twitter account, and everybody will think it's normal." 
You know, I also saw before we jump into the rest of this. So there was a Fox News expose yesterday. No, I know I shared it with you before the show. Jesse Waters, who does some good journalistic work. I mean, he still does like the cat fashion shows and stuff, which I think is weird because they're trying to make him into like someone to eventually replace Boomer Sweats and the Botox Queen, which I think Jesse Waters could do, but he's still kind of like, like Gutfeld. He's got like the little gags attached to him and it kind of takes away from it. But they, they had some people on who were at Abbey Gate in Afghanistan at the Kabul airport back in 2021 who went out and wrote a book. Mm-hmm. And, and some of the of that book talked about during the immediate time right before the end of the withdrawal and how people weren't allowed, U.S. servicemen and women weren't allowed to get on the planes to depart Afghanistan after. Until they cleaned the toilets. Yeah, until they cleaned the toilets. And, you know, it's funny because way back in August of, of 2021, we had some steak for breakfast enjoyers who were in Afghanistan at the time. And not only did they send us, you know, pictures of said toilets, they sent us pictures of all the canines that were locked up in cages. And they sent us pictures of all the equipment that we were leaving there as well. Yeah, we left dogs. And they made sure they uh, sent us a picture of the man who was in charge Yeesh. of the mission at that time. And that was that was none other than U.S. Marine Corps Brigadier General Pharrell J. Sullivan. Good job. Great job by him at the behest of Joe Biden. That guy is now in charge of, like, diversity hires in the Marine Corps now. Well, at least he finally got a job that was suitable for him. Up to his fucking level of expertise. But I just thought it was funny, and, and, you know, me and Noah had a little laugh about it, how Fox News is running with a, (laughs) I'm quoting now, previously untold story of something that you could find on the Steak for Breakfast Instagram account from August 29th of 2021. We we really kind of get stuff on the front end more more than the new mainstream media does. Sometimes we do. And then there's other times where I'll bring something up or you'll bring something up and then we don't get to it and then we miss the we miss the boat on it. Yeah, as is the case with the news cycle. Speaking of which, Joe Biden did to get to finish a portion of his speaking event when it got to the question and answer portion of it while he was speaking in Vietnam over the weekend. Did he say good morning Vietnam at all? I'm sure he wanted to, but let's hear KJP cut off the conference and just finish it off. About at the conference overall, we talked about stability. We talked about making sure that the third world, the, uh, excuse me, third world. Can't say the, that. Uh, oh. The, the, uh, the southern hemisphere. Oh, okay. Had access <laughs> Good to save. Had access. We, it wasn't confrontational at all. He came up with thank, thank you, everybody. This ends the count press thanks. conference. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Got the Oscars music. Wow. He's talking back to Peter Newsom. crazy with every person I met with. I was worried about your son being indicted, Mr. President. So that was Joe Biden getting the Oscars curtain call. That was the equivalent of uh, somebody at a 7-Eleven just playing opera music outside to keep bums away. Oh, we've played that one before. <laughs> you know, and it, it's... That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that they would cut off, and when I say this, take all the sarcasm you can muster and just imagine it in my voice. Cutting off the leader of the free world. Well, he did reference the country he was visiting as third world three times and then tried to walk it back. Is he wrong? No. But the man in the black pajamas. Mm. What does he sound like? (laughs) Joe, you A wor- worthy fucking adversary. Can't say third world. 
It's not the way to say it. Peter Ducey, who tried to ask Joe Biden questions as he retreated behind the curtain, had had enough and jumped on live with Fox News to give a little uh, how he really felt about it. Let's hear it. South Asia, President Biden wants to make sure everybody back home knows he only wants the best for China. So really what this trip is about, it was less about containing China. I, I, I don't want to contain China. Not, we're not looking to hurt China. President Biden also said he wants to make sure China abides by the international rules of the road. And he touched on what many market watchers have been saying. The Chinese economy is struggling right now, and they've got some work to do to improve negative trends. President Biden at one point talked about the importance of a free press. However, his press corps was extremely limited with questions in Vietnam during the only opportunity for Q&A on a multi-day international trip. They gave me five people here. I'm just following my orders here. Uh, my God. What? <laughs> what was that? Staff, or anybody haven't spoken to? No, I ain't calling on you. I'm calling on you. I said I had five questions. I don't know about you, but I'm going to go to bed. There were zero questions what? about anything going on back home. Zero. President Biden is here on the world stage representing the American people. Poll after poll after poll find that the American people overwhelmingly worry he might be too old for a second term. But it never came up. Arthel? Comes, <laughs> comes up here on steak for breakfast all the time. <laughs> Poor guys all tuckered out. I just want to go to bed. I just want to, I just want to go to bed. I want to get off. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, it's Jesus, man. I don't know what to say. Like, I mean, it's like wearing people down. Now this just seems normal. Like, this is how a president's supposed to act. Totally. Donald Trump was uh, probably watching with glee as he peppered Joe Biden with true social posts from across the pond. Oof. Here's one of the heaters. Because of the rigged and stolen 2020 presidential election, just look at our nation and indeed the world. Now it is a shadow of its former self. Ukraine, inflation, bad economy, woke military, no world standing, no respect. And today, $6 billion for hostages. Where's the call for Republicans to invoke the 25th Amendment? And we'll get to that $6 billion in just a second. But before we do, guys, wherever you're listening to the podcast today, make sure you're subscribed to Steak for Breakfast, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or iHeartRadio. Follow the show, give it a five-star review, write a rating, helps us out big time. In addition, across all of our social medias, Twitter, Getter, True Social, and Instagram, find the Steak for Breakfast accounts, follow us, and hit the notification bell. So I want to segue here with that little lead-in True Social post from President Trump and talk about something that's, believe it or not, even more sad than Joe Biden's Indo-Asian performance. Mm. And that's the 9-11 Memorial Holiday. I mean, everybody who's listening probably... Reflected in their own ways, uh, but I think the glaring there there yesterday was the fact that for the first time since the terrorist attacks, Joe Biden, as the U.S. president or any U.S. president, was not present in either New York City, Washington, D.C. at the Pentagon or in rural Pennsylvania marking a memorial site. Yeah, that, that I don't think that's happened yet, has it? No. That's uh, disappointing. In addition, the White House chose to send Kamala Harris to New York City, and there she gave no speech in regards to remembrance or the holiday itself, marking the first time that that's happened as well. It's a bold move. See how it works for a cotton. Do you think that uh, 
optic-wise, Noah. They're just kind of rolling her out there softly to kind of gauge the public on how much they still hate her because at this point, listen, we've been saying it for a while. I don't think Joe Biden's going to make it. No, he's not going to make it. And then sending Kamala Harris to New York City, that, I mean, some would consider that a slap in the face of the holiday, but I just don't think that it was appropriate to send her. And I think no matter where Joe Biden was coming from or how important the White House wants to tout that this portion of the G20 circuit was, there, there's no excuse for him not being able to show up at one of the memorial sites and, and speak for, like, literally, it could have been five sentences long. It's not appropriate for her, send her out for a book of matches. Yeah. Send her out to borrow a cup of sugar from the crackhead down the street or a well, cup of crack from Hunter Biden down the street. Well, we're going to play dueling 9-11 statements now between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, who did issue one yesterday. And I don't know if you heard about this, Noah, but Joe Biden packed his statements from uh, Alaska with lies. Let's check it out. Never forget. Never forget. We never forget. Each of us, each of those precious lives stolen too soon when evil attacked. Ground Zero in New York. I remember standing there the next day Mm -hmm. and looking at the building. I felt like I was looking through the gates of hell. It looked so devastating because the way you could, from where you could stand. Shanksville, Pennsylvania, the Pentagon in Virginia. I spent many 9-11s in those hollowed grounds to bear witness and remember those we lost. Every day, but especially the last few days, their memory has been with me. I'm just returning from the G7, the G20 summit in India, where we strengthened America's leadership on the global stage, mm. followed by a historic trip to Vietnam, where we transformed our partnership in one of the most critical regions in the world. These trips are a central part of how we're going to ensure the United States is flanked by the broadest array of allies and partners who will stand with us and deter any threat to our security. So... There was that. Listen, Joe Biden was not in Lower Manhattan on the 12th of September, 2001. Where was he? Staring into the gates of hell like he so Joe Bidenly put at the beginning of his speaking event. Joe Biden was on the Senate floor where they passed a House resolution to get to the bottom of who conducted the terrorist attack across our country. And just for the receipts, I went and looked it up yesterday. It wasn't until the 20th of September, 2001, where a Senate-led delegation of congressmen and women went to Ground Zero and toured the site after it was deemed safe for them to do so. So much like with Bo Biden's service and, and how he perished, ultimately succumbing to cancer, and everything else Joe Biden lies about, he now places himself at Ground Zero before Building 7 came down. <laughs> Joe Biden was actually holding up Building 7. That's why it took so long. <laughs> That's why it didn't collapse until almost 6 p.m. that night. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I, there's a lot of things you can bend the truth on. How your son died in comparing his military service and trying to tie those two together, especially when addressing Gold Star families. And then being at 9-11. Yeah. Those are two things you don't fucking lie about. No. You know, uh, I saw Congressman Corey Mills, because, Noah, this is going to even grind your gears even worse. So it was announced yesterday on the 9-11 holiday that Joe Biden has finally reworked portions of the Iran deal and allowed for Iran to receive $6 billion in frozen assets. 
and free prisoners that the United States has in exchange for some U.S. citizen activists that Iran is currently holding in their prisons. So on the greatest terrorism-related holiday in the history of the world, the United States gave $6 billion to the largest state sponsor of international terrorism on the planet. Perfect. Makes perfect sense. Great friend of the show. I was texting with him last night. He was very emotional about this. Florida Congressman Corey Mills. Oh, I bet. Yeah. He put out a post yesterday. Joe Biden fails to pay respects on the anniversary of 9-11 to any of the sites on this historically tragic day, but makes a deal to swap five Iranian prisoners and unfreeze $6 billion to Iran's radical regime. I vehemently oppose this decision that will ultimately fund terrorist activities against Americans and our allies. This is by far the most corrupt and compromised administration in America's history, and he is out to destroy America. That's from Congressman Corey Mills, who uh, had a couple heaters in there yesterday. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's not wrong. No, he certainly is And isn't. he's definitely not off base by saying it either. No, he's not. All right, guys, we're getting ready to wrap this segment here. I did promise dueling 9-11 statements. We're moments away from jumping in with Newsweek editor-at-large, Josh Hammer. But before we do, Donald Trump from Bedminster yesterday issued a statement on the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Let's hear it. No one who lived through the horror of the September 11th terrorist attacks can ever forget the agony and the anguish of that terrible day. It was a terrible day. The images of dark plumes of smoke billowing over lower Manhattan, the Pentagon, and a field of Pennsylvania, such a beautiful field, are seared into our minds forever. We will never forget. Today, on this solemn anniversary of those monstrous attacks, we remember the 2,977 precious souls who were savagely taken from us on that morning 22 years ago, leaving a void that can never be filled, can never be filled. No matter what happens, it can never be filled. We will say a prayer for each of the beautiful families they left behind, whose pain is beyond comprehension. What they've gone through is not even believable. We honor the firefighters, the great New York PD, the police department, what great people they are. They are so great. And the Port Authority officers, the Virginia, D.C., and Pentagon police, and the military service members, and other first responders, actually all over the country, they acted with supreme heroism, and they went to the site of the most heinous crime. They would leave other states far away and go to the World Trade Center site, the Pentagon. They'd go to Pennsylvania who in many cases gave their lives in the line of duty. God bless the memory of all of those who perished in the 9-11 attacks. We will never, ever forget. We will never forget you. We love you. God bless their families, and God bless America. Thank you. Is it that fucking hard? No. Is it that hard, Joe Biden? No. A minute and 36 seconds of not... Being a piece of shit? Embellishing yourself to just put yourself in a place where you have to seem better than everybody else. It's ridiculous. It's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. I don't know how much longer the American people are going to take it. We've seen some of the America First patriots in the U.S. House of Representatives make some moves and some shakes today. We'll get to that in a little bit. We're getting ready to sit down with Newsweek Editor-in-Large, Josh Hammer. But before we do that, let's hear from one of our partners. This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. 
Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off your order. Joining us next on the show today, he's the senior editor at large and host of the Josh Hammer Show at Newsweek. He's also a syndicated columnist, great friend of the show, always looking forward to sit down and having a great discussion with Mr. Josh Hammer. Thanks for joining us today. You bet, guys. Always a pleasure. Well, how's everything going on your end? It's been busy. I see that uh, even though, I mean, we were just talking about how August is usually a, a slow month, us here in the news have, have found enough stuff to talk about. What have you been working on? Yeah, well, look, I mean, uh, Congress back in session. I mean, you know, Kevin McCarthy's announcement today coming out with a bit of a bang. We'll see if it amounts to anything. Obviously, we've got yet another potential government shutdown budget fight coming up here in the next few weeks. As far as, you know, what's popping on my end, you know, just trying to pump out good good columns, good podcasts. I actually have three longer form essays, all of which should be coming out over the next, I don't know, uh, two to three months or so, kind of roughly ballpark speaking. Um, always on the back burner, I have kind of the idea of getting my first book out. I, I've made some initial progress there. Nothing to formally announce on your program, unfortunately, but that's always kind of hanging in there on the back burner. And um, yeah, always great to be back with you guys. Always great to have you. And as always, we'll be sharing your great work whenever you pump it out, Josh. You know, we're a huge supporter of everything you've got going on and all the good stuff that you do. So looking forward to having a little conversation today. Unfortunately, we never have any good stuff to really talk about. So yesterday was the 22nd anniversary of the 9-11 terror attacks. Definitely weird optics for the first time ever. The sitting president was not, well, present. In, Anywhere. Yeah, New York City, at the Pentagon, or in rural Pennsylvania. Joe Biden decided to do a, I guess, speaking event in Alaska on the tail end of his Indochina uh, you know, G20 visit. And in doing so told a couple lies in regards to how and, and when he personally responded to the 9-11 attacks. And, you know, in addition to that, the regime decided to send Kamal Harris and Alejandro Mayorkas to Ground Zero in New York, which I thought was disgusting. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. As you watched events unfold yesterday and, and just saw how kind of 9-11 is being forced out of our memories, I mean, listen, if my kid didn't come home from school yesterday and say, Dad, I want to sit down and watch some of the National Geographic documentary about it we wouldn't even have talked about it in my house because uh you know they're not doing anything in school their school day starts later than when the uh attacks happen so here on the west coast so they don't do the moments of silence like they used to anymore and uh it, to me it's really disheartening what do you think josh you know at some point you have to wonder whether joe biden is actually just senile <laughs> or or whether he is the most prolific liar that has ever inhabited that office. And there have been many liars who've inhabited that office. I mean, William Jefferson Clinton obviously depends on the definition of what the word is, is right. I mean, <laughs> people like that cer 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 certainly come to mind as well. But I mean, at what point do we just throw our hands up in resignation and say that these are not the normal gaffes of a senile octogenarian? And this is someone who has just become completely proficient over the lies and just lying and gaslighting the American people, no matter how he can. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that he was still talking about how his son, Bo Biden, was slain overseas. He was trying to console the families who lost loved ones at 13 who were tragically killed during the Bosch withdrawal from Afghanistan. You know, Bo Biden died from cancer. Yep. And then, you know, he, he was also out in in Maui trying to console the victims of what quite possibly will go down as the most catastrophic fire in United States history. We still, as far as I'm aware, do not know the final death toll. It nope. quite possibly will be over a thousand people. Speaking of 9-11, that's like a third of 9-11. Yeah. It hasn't really gotten the public 
condemnation or, or, or accountability, certainly, that it deserves. So he was out there in Maui after everyone was like, why the heck is he not going? It took him days to get out there. And he tries to try to console the victims by saying that, oh, you know, back in Delaware years ago, I had this fire in my house. My wife barely made it out alive. Dude, like the <laughs> Wilmington, Delaware firefighters said that it was a small kitchen fire that was put out with a fire extinguisher. Yeah, he, he burned so, some pizza rolls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So, I mean. What is wrong with this guy? I, I mean, I, look, I called for his impeachment in the column over two years ago now yep. because of the Afghanistan stuff, which, by the way, I supported getting out of Afghanistan a very long time ago. I mean, even before Trump was president, mm -hmm. I've had this stance for a very long time. I thought the way he did it was pathetic in many ways. So I wrote I wrote impeach him two years ago. I called for him to resign last summer because of inflation reaching 40 year highs. I mean, I, I'm, I'm on record as not particularly liking this guy. I, I don't know that it can get a heck of a lot worse than this, though, no. to be honest with you. No, and, and Josh, what's even scarier is that the regime pumps out this deal that's made with Iran, a, a prisoner exchange, in addition to the Biden administration is now going to be unfreezing $6 billion in assets of, of the Iranian regime. You know, on 9-11, the, the greatest state sponsor of terrorism in the world is getting rewarded on 9-11 by the Biden administration. Like when, when you talk about international security, when you talk about Joe Biden's stance or lack thereof in support of Israel throughout the course of his administration and how embarrassing that whole relationship has gone due to the fact and, and, and because of the stance of the Biden regime, how, did, how were you reacting yesterday when you saw that kind of unfolding on the ticker? Yeah, look, I mean, the Biden administration in many ways, it's just the Obama third term. Yep. I, mean, they're, I mean, they're recycling many of the same people, John Kerry, Samantha Power. I, I, Brett McGurk, uh, uh, Malley, the the Rob Malley, the absolute idiot whose security clearance has been temporarily suspended for mishandling some sort of document. I mean, all these guys were part of the original Obama team. All these guys worked on the on the Iran nuclear deal the first time, and and they're back again. So, I mean, I, I'm hardly surprised that the Biden administration has has had its Middle East foreign policy more generally than it has, although it does seem that part, part of it was not just ideological, but really just driven by spite. Yep. It, it took them months and months, perhaps even a year, year and a half, to actually use the phrase Abraham Accords, which, of course, was one of the most prolific Trump foreign policy accomplishments where they had Israel, the UAE, Bahrain and Morocco and then Sudan kind of come to peace. The, the Biden administration, they wouldn't even use the term Abraham Accords. I, I think that was nothing more than just an implicit middle finger to the prior administration. But in any event, the the Iran appeasement stuff is, is obviously disgusting. I mean, six billion dollars for five hostages, one point two billion dollars. I, I mean, my God, I mean, look, I, I mean, obviously, like I, I feel good for the families or people who had uh, hostages there. I mean, it's great that they will be freed. But in what world will this not just incentivize Iran to do more of this? I mean, I think I read recently that upwards of of multiple thousands of Americans apparently make it to Iran every year for various reasons. I guess like they're, they're studying something about Persian history or they get some sort of special visa. I, I, I mean, buyer beware at this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, the regime is kind of on high notice that they can get a very high price tag for you for taking you and, and putting you into prison. Obviously, the 9-11 optics of this make it particularly galling. I, I mean, the Saudis back in 2001 was mostly Saudi nationals who who perpetrated 9-11, but the Iranian regime absolutely uh, was involved as well. I mean, U.S. intelligence subsequently in, in the years after that kind of explained in depth just how much Iran knew about it, how much they were complicit in it. 
And nowadays, it's easy to forget about Iran because, you know, China properly is the focus of most of our foreign policy angst at this moment. But Iran continues to be a horrific actor that spreads and sows chaos throughout the world. They engage in targeted assassinations. They they fund Hezbollah, which, by the way, Hezbollah is not just like a Lebanese proxy. Hezbollah is operating on our southern border. Hezbollah is actually closely allied with with the cartels in northern Mexico there. So this is a horrific, horrific regime. And I, I, my, I, my God, on the 22nd anniversary of 9-11 to just kind of reward them with with ransom payments, freeing up their oil. Nasty, nasty, nasty stuff from a very nasty man, Joe Biden. Yeah, it's 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 wild to see how things kind of unfolded over the course of the last couple of days. I mean, his his trip was just a disaster where he was. You know, kissing John McCain's memorial and getting cut off at speaking events. He called Vietnam a third world country. <laughs> couldn't say anybody's name right. The official POTUS account posted a picture with him thanking the Vietnamese president, but it was picture not with the Vietnamese president. And then to come back and parlay that into a, a disgusting, lie-filled brief statement on on the terror attacks 22 years ago on 9/11. In addition to announcing that they've made a deal with Iran, like it's some sort of a win for the United States. It just seemed like. The continuance of the absolute losses that this administration has provided for us over the course of the last nearly three years now, and it's good to hear a little bit of insight from your end on that, Josh. All right, I, I do want to touch on the uh, primary as, as we're you know getting ready to head into the fall now. We're, we're nearly halfway through September, and... Uh, you know, these people are going to start ramping up for the first couple primaries and caucuses, South Carolina, obviously Iowa, New Hampshire, etc. Just kind of tracking it from uh, 30,000 feet, Josh, how are you seeing this race play out still on the Republican side? I mean, I don't think a lot has changed probably since since we last gathered. Um, I mean, Trump obviously continues to be an overwhelming favorite. I mean, DeSantis certainly looks stronger in Iowa than he looks in any of the in any of the early states. So, I mean... I'm not going to say it's like an Iowa or die proposition, but certainly the campaign uh, from the DeSantis perspective is putting a ton of chips into into play there in Iowa. I think the million dollar question in Iowa, I actually asked um, Iowa's own Steve Dace this when I had Steve on my most recent podcast. I asked him like straight up, like, like, will Kim Reynolds get off the sidelines? Will she actually endorse? I don't think it's actually the the world's best kept secret that her private sympathies are more towards DeSantis than than with Trump. And I, I kind of assumed, frankly, that Kim Reynolds would would not endorse because that's kind of just in keeping with the tradition. Like, you don't want to just pick sides. You want to let the voters choose. But St- Steve actually thought that the tensions between her and Trump were such that she was actually more likely to come out publicly for DeSantis sooner rather than later, which actually caught me by surprise. I, so, look, we'll see. Right. I mean, the, the thing about Iowa is in part because it's a caucus process. Yep. Polling is is extraordinarily difficult to do. I mean, again, this is not a primary. You don't just get in there. You pull the lever like you have to be committed to stand in a caucus for an hour. Hear the pitches from all the candidates. It's a very quirky process. People who have not seen or participated in a caucus perhaps don't kind of fully understand what it is. So these things are infamously difficult to poll. It's also like the middle of winter in Iowa. I mean, who knows? It could be like a blizzard or a hailstorm or something that could totally you know throw off everyone's plans to go stand in a gymnasium for an hour. Um, so uh, there's a lot of variables out there. But yeah, I mean, Trump obviously continues to be the the heavy favorite at this point. I mean, the legal troubles, we'll, we'll see, right? I mean, I, I, I unless he is physically carved off to, to a jail cell, I'm not sure that kind of these actual trials will make much of a difference in, in the polling. But I guess I could be wrong. So we'll see. 
Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I know it's going to be a little bit more of a dogfight as we get closer to January. I mean, I would like to see a little bit more of spirited debate, and, and, and some of these candidates are kind of resonating on the top. Obviously, you mentioned Ron DeSantis. Donald Trump's the, the front runner right now, and then Fox News is trying as hard as they can to keep Nikki Haley and Tim Scott relevant, but I just don't know if they're ever going to stick or if we'll see a, a full-on debate. But, you know, the best part about it is, Josh, is that we'll have you back on the show soon and we'll continue to talk about this as the process kind of unfolds. We're going to live link everything in the show description today. Obviously, your page at Newsweek and then your podcast, we always link that as well. But for anyone that's not following you across social media, where can they check you out? Yeah, thanks as always, guys. So I'm on Twitter, Josh underscore Hammer, Twitter X, whatever we're calling it. So Josh underscore Hammer there, Josh B. Hammer on Instagram. I have a public Facebook page as well. I can't even remember what, what it's called. It's like Real Josh Hammer or something like that. So you can find my pa Facebook page as well if the anyone besides the boomers are, are using Facebook at this point. But yeah, then, then, you know, just follow my syndicated column. goes up in Newsweek and any number of conservative websites and my podcast, The Josh Hammer Show on Apple, Spotify and elsewhere. So thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. And it's always a pleasure hosting you. This is the senior editor at large and host of the Josh Hammer podcast at Newsweek. Mr. Josh Hammer, thanks for joining us on the show today. Anytime. I've now been in Washington, hard to believe, 11 years. I will tell you something. The best four years of my time in Washington was when President Trump was in the Oval Office. what happened in that short period of time. We cut taxes, one of the biggest tax cuts in our nation's history. We had a booming economy. President Trump restored sanity to the Supreme Court. <laughs> President Trump also signed into law the greatest conservation win in 50 years called the Great America Outdoors Act. That was signed by President Trump. We had low gas prices, lower cost groceries, a secure border back in those days. And we were respected on the world stage. Well, that was Senator Steve Daines, who's essentially in charge of the re-election committee, helping senators that are running for re-election and new ones that will be joining the Senate on the Republican side next year in Rapid City, South Dakota, where Donald Trump rocked the South Dakota GOP-led event nice. on Friday night. He had a busy weekend uh, in addition to preparing statements regarding 9-11 yesterday. Donald Trump also uh, jet-set it over to Iowa and was well-received at the Iowa-Iowa State game. Not so much like Ron DeSantis, which we'll get to in a bit. Yeah, there's no there's no way that anybody can argue that we are not respected on the world stage now. <laughs> yeah. Like, we were the most respected on the world stage under the Trump administration because nobody wanted to fuck with him. It's like, well, fuck around and find out because you don't know what this guy's going to do. Yeah. And that was part of the power of the Trumpian era of our politics trump era policies they yeah. worked and uh we've got a lot of people fighting right now to make sure that donald trump has another opportunity to finish his legacy as the president of the united states south dakota governor christy Nome, who hosted the event spoke before the rally and i've got a montage of clips for her noah prepare the swooshes mm. christy Nome coming in hot let's hear it fights for us every single day now, some people can't figure out his popularity. Why are people so loyal to him? 
I'm convinced it's because we have never seen anything or anyone like him ever before. And we've certainly never seen anyone like him serve in public office before. He is unapologetically himself. He's real, he's genuine, he is who he is, and he never pretends to be something that he's not. And those who hate America know that he will fight every single day to stop them from destroying this country. seen these other candidates fight when it really mattered, when it was hard to do the right thing for our country. Now some of them talk pretty tough, but where were they when the pandemic was raging? When leaders were taking away people's constitutional rights? Because the government told folks that they couldn't gather together, people lost their freedom of assembly. Because the government told people they couldn't go to church, people lost their freedom of religion. Because governments censored what information could be shared and what couldn't, people lost their freedom of speech. Where were these candidates then? They were silent. They were cowering. Or worse yet, they were locking down their own people. They were pushing mandates. They were closing beaches, even arresting people for taking a spring break. Now, yes, I will be attacked for speaking the truth to all of you tonight. And yes, I expect that Joe Biden, these candidates, their political operatives, and the media will perpetuate ugly, hateful misinformation in an attempt to destroy me and my family because of our opinions. It's nothing new, and frankly, I'm getting pretty used to it. It is my honor to present to you the man in the arena. He is a man of significance. He is the leader, the fighter that our country needs. He has my full and complete endorsement for President of the United States of America. I will do everything I can to help him win and save this country. Ladies and gentlemen, the 45th and the 47th President of the United States, Donald J. Trump. So, Noah, after hearing the South Dakota governor there in a little bit of a Christine Noah montage, I do have to say, watching the event, the Trump gnome signs were out for the first time. Ooh. Rick suit, who was on the ground, tried to acquire us one but failed because they uh, seemed to be homemade. But he did take a couple pictures of people that brought them to the event. And they look just like the Trump 2024 or Save America signs. Like we have one somewhere in the studio here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's looks good. Yeah. She sounds good. Not opposed. Don't hate it. Nope. She's a fighter. I don't know if you noticed uh, that middle clip there. She hammered Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Talking about, you know, I mean, church, it's not hard anymore. Churches getting shut down and people getting arrested for wanting to spring break. And yeah, well, I mean, when you when you go from being one of the best governors to just being a giant vagina, then I don't really know what to tell you. You know, Ron DeSantis and his wife showed up in New York City yesterday to participate in the 9-11 memorial service. And Ron DeSantis wore a suit that was like two sizes too big. It was completely wrinkled. Did he look like David Byrne in the Stop Making Sense video? Yes. <laughs> And he wore his cowboy boots, which now are so stretched out that his fat feet have them, like, sideways. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you, when you have really wide they feet. They roll over the side? And they weren't even shined. 
I mean, like, come on. Like, yes, it's fun to make Ron DeSantis for, like, his little snot-wipey, handshakey things that he does or the bobblehead or the fact that he's not released one policy point or, you know, only talks about the free state of Florida. And, you know, you show up to a 9-11 memorial event, go to fucking Brooks Brothers, get your shit tailored, shine your shoes, and look respectable when you're going to take pictures with first responders. Or at least have somebody help you tuck it in. Just ugly and, and, and low class. Donald Trump would then take the stage, and first thing he did, which is going to definitely sprinkle a little bit of joy over the back end of our show today, talking about House Republicans, hammered them a little bit because they need it. Let's check it out. When I'm reelected, we will immediately commence the largest deportation operation in American history. But we cannot wait until 2025 to begin stopping this horrible invasion. This is like a military invasion. They're killing hundreds of thousands of people between the drugs that are coming in, the people that are coming in, the crime. That's why tonight I'm calling on congressional Republicans to ban Joe Biden from using a single tax dollar, no taxpayer money to release or resettle illegal aliens into the United States starting on the government funding deadline of September 30th. I like it. Mm. We take better care of these people, and many of them are criminals, than we take care of our veterans, our soldiers. You know, Pennsylvania PD and now elements of Border Patrol are still running around rural Pennsylvania looking for the illegal immigrant who was convicted of murdering his girlfriend and then escaped from prison two weeks ago. Is that the guy that, like, shimmied up the wall? Yeah. He's running around with a stolen, modified 22-gauge rifle with a scope on it right now. Huh. He tried to rob somebody's house yesterday. The guy apparently shot at him seven or eight times, missed him, all of them, but chased him away with said stolen rifle. I mean, at least it's only a 22, but still. Yeah. This is Joe Biden's America. Hmm. I bet if that guy was at January 6th, I would have found him already. Hmm. <laughs> Did you see uh, the pronouns mafia took over Kevin McCarthy's office yesterday? Yeah, I saw that. Did they glue themselves to anything? Well, I'm just waiting to see which one of them will be, you know, sentenced to 22 years in federal prison first. No, they're going to get... Uh, they're going to sue the government. 45 minutes time served. No, they're going to sue the government. Like, oh, they're going to get paid, yeah. Yeah, like the Black Lives Matter people did and get paid millions of dollars. Speaking of which. I just wish that when they glue, when somebody glues themselves to something, I just think you should leave them there. Yeah. Like, as long as it's not art, like, I am 100% okay. Tell them you figure it out. With driving by somebody every day on my commute while they're glued to the fucking road. Just watch them starve to death. I still think that one... Throw some cheese puffs at them every once in a while. That, just keep them alive longer. That, that Navajo police officer who just ran over all the... <laughs> he, he was awesome. Yeah, he's the MVP. But you want to talk about money. Donald Trump knows a little something about dollars and cents. He touched on something he doesn't touch on too much, but it's definitely an item when you uh, bring up Donald Trump. Let's check it out. State ...that I'm the only president that ever lost money while serving in office, and I knew that would happen... That's a lot. I lost a lot of number of billions. But I knew it was billions. part of the game, and that's what I intended. I didn't intend. I could have made a fortune. Oh, I could have gone to these countries and made deals. You know, 
I put things in trust. I said, my kids are going to run it. I said, don't do deals outside of the country. Don't do this. Don't. They were going, Dad, can we do something? He said, no, you know, I'm president. We have a higher standard. And then I come out and I watch his Biden stuff. With make, They go to make deals with countries that it's just the craziest thing I've ever seen. And I got to give credit to Jim Jordan and Jamie Comer and all of these guys because they found things that nobody thought could be found. But it cost me billions of dollars, and it's been worth every single penny of it. Because that I can tell you. Uh, I could have made so much. I could have. <laughs> Sir, we'd love to do a deal in Saudi Arabia. Sir, we'd love to do a deal here and there. We'd love to do a deal. I really can't do that. I'm president. Biden would do it. So we just, uh, we did it right. We did the right thing. And I do it exactly that way again. I will do it away, that way again. Look, we have a very short period of time. Always the best when he goes off teleprompter. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to make a I'm not Donald Trump email address. I'm not Donald Trump at hotmail.com. Why? That seems completely and totally normal. Yeah. Mm. Listen, he's not lying. And when you look at the way the current president abused not only his power and authority, but padded the bank accounts of him and, and just about every family member that he acknowledges as his, it's a stark comparison to even think that there's any debate that Donald Trump hasn't lost definitely millions, if not billions of dollars over the course of the last, you know, nearly eight years. Yeah, when you talk about Joe Biden's family becoming rich mm -hmm. and basically set for life mm -hmm. during his tenure as vice president into president, I, I mean, he he's going to end up, whether or not he gets sacrificed at the altar. It's not like we're taking the money back. It's not like the money's coming back. Like yeah. they're, they're still fucking set for life. And, you know, you want to you wanna give him credit or you want to, you know, detract from him. But, you know, that's what a father would do for his family. True story. Yeah. True story. Um, I do like the fact that he said, you know, when they were, when Donald Trump was the president of the United States, they lived to a higher standard, and I truly believe they did. Yeah. Guys, wherever you're listening to the show today, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or iHeartRadio, make sure you subscribe to the show. Helps us out in the algorithms, keeps us in the suggestions, and of course, make sure you're downloading the podcast as well. And then across all social medias, Twitter, Getter, True Social, and Instagram, find the Steak for Breakfast accounts, follow us, and hit the notification bell. We're going to be sitting down with Kevin Pasobic for the first time today. Really excited about that in just a bit. Got a couple more here. Of course, Donald Trump wasn't going to get through a speaking event during this cycle without hammering, flailing candidate and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Let's check it out. You know, a guy who was very disloyal because I got him elected, so I call him Ron DeSanctimonious. He strongly opposed my protection for our farmers. I protected our farmers very simply. And by the way, those farmers got big checks. Any farmers in here got big checks? Yes? Yes. Oh, he's happy. But that goes to the people, that goes to the workers, it goes to everybody. But we had 28 billion. I said, nobody else is going to be able to do that. I said, there's no way I'm going to lose farm states. But very simply, DeSanctis sided with the communists in China and he fought very hard that this not take place. He also opposed Medicare, and he opposed a thing called Social Security. Remember this about a politician. Their first idea is always what they go back to. 
So now I'm sure he's changed. I don't know. I don't watch him. He's gone so low in the polls, I'm not really watching him. They say, sir, forget about him. He's gone. I say, no, nobody's gone. Nobody's gone until it's over, right? It ain't over till it's over. Yogi, the great Yogi Berra, great philosopher. But the sanctimonious voted to gut Social Security. Think of it. Social Security three times voted. Hands up, voted. He is a disciple of Paul Ryan, the great Paul Ryan. Definitely got to hit him there. Yeah. I mean, listen, your votes are your receipts, and, and that's definitely something that President Trump's going to continue to hit Ron DeSantis on. Uh, it's, it's just one of those things where when you see some of the recent poll numbers that have come out over the course of the last couple of days, over the weekend and heading into the week, uh, 2024 National Republican Primary, this is a TIPP poll, Trump 60%. Over Ron DeSantis, 11%. Ramaswamy, 9%. Pence, 6 Haley, 3 Scott, 1 Christie, 1 Elder, 1 You also have some of the guys who uh, play the market. You know where the money goes, usually so goes the votes. This is the 2024 poly market odds. Trump, a heavy favorite to win Republican nomination. He's at 72%. That's up from May 24th by 2 points over Ron DeSantis at 14 who's down 16 points from May 24th, and Vivek Ramaswamy, who made up the difference, at 13%. Donald Trump currently has three-quarters of the betting market nearly locked up now, Noah. When the people, the Vegas odds makers, when they start, you know, showing that it's pretty much over before it's over, you can't really argue with the money. Mm-mm. I think that uh, those polls kind of speak for themselves. You're seeing the same... Polls come out in places like Iowa, South Carolina, and New Hampshire. This comes during questions. Has Vivek Ramaswamy already lost his luster in regards to how strong he came out of the first debate? In addition, Fox News can't decide on whether they want to go with the old hag, Nikki Haley, or Tim Scott, who was literally asked in an interview yesterday because there's a lot of questions about... There's been questions for years about Tim Scott's sexuality. It shouldn't be an issue, but... Brian Kilmeade literally asked him, so we've met your mother. When are we going to meet your girlfriend? And he was like, uh, I have a girlfriend. She's definitely a girl. And at some point you'll meet her. And it was one of the most awkward things I've ever watched. Wow. Yeah. And because, you know, there's there's just been some questions there. And, and when you look at the big Republican donors and want what they'd like to hitch their wagon to, it's somebody that can go out there and present the America first family. They don't really want... A single dude or, or like a Lindsey Graham type, if you know what I mean, mm. to be representing them. Last clip here before we jump in with Kevin Posobiec. Donald Trump brings it home and talks about this fight and how we're all in it together. So this battle that we're in is a battle for all of us and it's for history. This is historic. This is a big moment in our country because we're either going to go one way or the other. And if we go the other, we're not going to have a country left. We will fight together, we will win together, and then we will seek justice together. We're going to seek justice together. I like that. Thank you. We're also going to make America great again, in case you haven't heard. Mm -hmm. It's a thing. It's definitely happening. Maybe you've heard of it. So again, Donald Trump the next day would be in Iowa on the ground. He showed up at a frat house. 
He threw autographed footballs to a crowd. He made some burgers with some college students who were attending the game at the tailgate party and then was well-received both walking into, through, at the stadium and while he was in the visitor's box there. And I just thought it was a big weekend for Donald Trump. It was also a big win to see him take the high road yesterday on 9-11 and issue that really appropriate statement that helps commemorate the memorial holiday that the 9-11 terror attacks signify. So good week for Donald Trump. We'll see what happens usually whenever he picks up some momentum. Remember, we've got some breaking news on Joe Biden today out of the Republican House that can only mean either a superseding or new indictment should be coming down the pike stat. We'll continue to track it here as we're getting ready to jump in with Kevin Pasovic. But before we do that, let's hear from one of our partners. Friends, I want to take a minute and talk to you about cigars. Whether you're on the golf course, fishing on the lake, or doing some yard work around the house, our friend Alan has got you covered. He's launched the Patriot Cigar Company. The tobacco is handpicked in the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. Cigars are hand-rolled each three years. You get a promo code STAKE here, you're going to get 15% off your total order. Every order over $100, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, that's MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. All right, joining us next on the show today, this big Tuesday edition of Steak for Breakfast, we're going to scale back a little bit. We're going to get a little wholesome. This man wears a lot of hats. I know a lot of people in America first know him and have seen him. He likes to refer to himself, at least in the tax sense, as a tecton. Joining us for the first time, Mr. Kevin Basobic. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's an honor to be here. It's our pleasure, sir. How's everything going with you? Good to finally uh, track you down and, and have you join us here on Steak for Breakfast. Yes, I did not have steak for breakfast this morning, but I will have it for dinner in honor of y'all. I like it. All we could say to that is greatly appreciated. <laughs> Kevin, we do want to talk to you about some stuff that's not totally encompassing politics, which is kind of what we do here on the show. But I think it's important to kind of factor in some of the other items that make America first what it is. It's not just all about politicians or policy, things of that nature. It's about what actually is the, you know, heart and soul of what America first is all about. And, you know, coming off of the 9-11 holiday yesterday, I think the only thing politically we could kind of touch on here is the, the lack of memory that we saw across the country. I mean, a lot of us here, I mean, you know, in America first know it's because of the current administration or regime that's in power that they really didn't highlight and memorialize the people who lost their life, not only on 9-11 back in 2001, but since a lot of the first responders and, and people that were in and around ground zero that day, you know, you have to be able to take a step back and think why something so recent in America history is getting absolutely ushered out of everybody's minds. I mean, I don't know how old your children are, but mine are 9 and 11, consequently, and, and both of them really didn't oh, do wow. anything in school uh, yesterday regarding this. And, uh, you know, when they came home to talk to me about it, it, it kind of bugged me because, you know, the documentaries were on, and, of course, it was on the news in the house. But to see it kind of getting memory hold out, out of, you know, there's an entire generation that's been born since 9-11, and, and a lot of them don't really know what happened or why we even, uh, you know, pay it homage on that holiday. Yeah, so to start, politics is downstream from culture, right? I believe that was Andrew Breitbart. 9-11, I was reflecting yesterday on uh, a spirit of charity, a spirit of sacrifice uh, to the people that were caught in the crossfire. So one of the things I did to memorialize it 
now having grown up is uh i did the the stair challenge you could climb 100 flights of stairs on the stairmaster like at your local gym because that's how high the towers were to memorialize like firefighters police some priests even that went in the first responders that died in their efforts so that was actually the first time i did that a close friend of mine told me about the idea i'd never heard of it and lo and behold the gym i go to had a whole like setup uh, you could like sign your name on the wall and and however long it took you to do it, you know, so that was like very satisfying. And some people there was an actual fire lieutenant, uh, I believe. I'm sorry, I don't know the hierarchy in, in ladders, but um, yeah, some guy had like a backpack on like as if they were in full gear climbing the steps. But yeah, I definitely had a different effect yesterday. Usually I'll watch the videos. Everybody watches the videos, but now it's like some of those theories are changing and being more exposed about who was involved, how the buildings came down. So it's actually good to see that and the emergence of the Patriot Act and surveillance state that we're in now, how it's turned on us. So it's good to be knowledgeable of that. But yeah, to answer the question, like I was... In seventh grade, I believe. Yeah, I do vividly remember it. I don't have any children yet um, working on it. but uh, I like it. Yeah, uh, I remember it. And, you know, so I just try and remember the first responders now. Sure. It's weird, and it's kind of where I want to segue next. I know you're a very spiritual, religious person. Kevin, you know, you and your brother both have done a great job of, of keeping that at the forefront, not just only in like the political sense, but how important it is to like have a culture, to understand religion, to have a relationship, you know, with Jesus and to, you know, make sure that people aren't embarrassed to talk about it and how it, it remains like a, a center point of what makes America great. I think in addition to the rewriting of history that the radical progressive left have pretty much been on the warpath on since, you know, the early 60s, is now not only are they trying to erase critical parts of history which made our republic so great, but they're also trying to completely erase all kinds of modern religion from the forefront. You know, it, it used to just be Catholicism and Christianity, but, you know, we've seen this administration hold a really bad ire towards Israel and the Jewish state. I mean, you know, you see a lot of people that uh, are in heavily populated areas of Muslims throughout the country push back on the radical progressive policies that their children are receiving in school, so they're trying to cancel them as well. When, when you see how the world has changed over the course of your life, and how, you know, religion was something that everybody did on Sunday. People partook in in, like, groups and stuff growing up. And now it's just like, if you find people that go to church on a regular basis, it's almost like, wow, I didn't think people really did that anymore. I mean, it is still common, but not as much as it was 20, 30 years ago. What can you say for how the world's changing? And if we don't have some kind of a, not just political, but religious revival in this country, we are on a path to absolute destruction. Yeah, Church provides a place for a community and fellowship. The culture is needed. It's it's trendy to like go to church when you're a kid and then like everybody takes like a pause or something to have fun in your twenties and thirties. And then like you have kids and you're like, uh oh, I gotta do family stuff, so they go back to church. But I, I'm like still working on the whole family thing, so I've had an interesting story, but I've returned to the church myself and recommitted in my own way. But I never, uh, the biggest things that my peers have is like they have a resentment against God. They say, oh, I was raised as a Catholic, but I don't believe in a punishing God. Or like, oh, I did that and like, I don't need church. 
this and that. Typical excuses, popular excuses. Everybody likes to trash uh, the Catholic Church in general. Um, but part of it is like just committing to it. Having life experiences, sometimes God pushes us back towards it, towards salvation. I believe in a merciful God, first off, like a forgiving God. I challenge that argument with that, in that, like, well, hey, like, I, I'm sorry you feel like you should be punished all the time, but it's not really, it's not really what it's about. So it's, it is an interesting thing, like being America first and like part of the First Amendment is like freedom of religion. So as an American, we do have to kind of honor that other people are allowed to have different religions in this land. But Christianity does have some pretty solid evidence for like creation of families and like solid community and like salvation. America is a Christian nation. It's uh, part of our founding. So it is interesting to see like the revisionist history and all this. But that's why I've tended to recommit, especially around COVID, to like the more traditional form of Catholicism myself, especially because many of the traditional churches just did not close during COVID. You know, we need a church that doesn't conform to the world. We need the world to conform to the church, right? Yeah. It's another saying. Along with the Constitution and tradition, peers will say, oh, this is a dated document. The Constitution is so dated. Like, why do you go to this old school church? We need an update, just like on our iPhones. You know, it's like we need an update for this, an update for that software. But if it, and if it ain't broken, don't fix it, right? I think that's the uh, methodology there that's, that's shown the most success over the years. Oh, except for the you. iPhones. That they, they break them, so you have to buy a new one. Well, that's true. I mean, they did just announce the 15s coming out today. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, so, I mean, Kevin, listen, you've given our listenership a little bit to think about. I think even more so than that to reflect on. I know there's a lot of people, and I see it online. I'm pretty sure you, you must as well. In America First, there's so much frustration. It seems like people just want to rush God's plan. They want to get to the finish line before they've even ran the race. They want to be able to reap the rewards yeah. before they've made any kind of commitment. And I think it's just getting back to that wholesome and, you know, goodness that our country is really lacking right now. It seems like everybody wants to not only win, but they want to fight each other to get to their winnable disposition. We just need to, I think, take a step back and, and reinvest in yourselves, reinvest in the spirituality, and, and again, reinvest in the family, which is which is something that we haven't done as much as we had in, in generations yeah, before ours. No, nobody wants to sacrifice anymore. Yep. That's part of the mass, Big time. part of going to church. That's part of what the 9-11 responders did. They knew, those men and women knew they were probably going to die, yep. but they did it in honor of the country. That's called the sacrifice. I don't want to go to Mass every week, but, you know, it's like I just give it to God, like people will say. You know, just give it up. I, sometimes I don't want to pray in the morning or pray at night, but or sometimes you don't want to go to the gym, right? But after you do it, you feel great. Yep. It's, it's, it's that sense, too. It's like, it isn't always about me. People don't want to donate money to the church. Oh, I, could they, take, I'm, they take my money. But it's like, listen, dude, it's, yeah, every building needs maintenance. You know, every church usually donates all that money to, like, people who need it, the poor. There's a poor box in the church. So a lot of selfish Christians out there. And I think we need to start looking inside before we can make what the results we want to be on the outside Quite honestly, great again. 
And uh, much like this conversation, yeah. I think Kevin, this has been awesome sitting down with you on the show today. Uh, we want to be able to urge all of our listenership who's not already following you to do so on social media. So where can they check you out? Hey, thanks. Uh, I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram. Those are my main ones. Trying to get more active there. But yeah, I would say follow me on there. And we'll be following you and hopefully having you back on Steak for Breakfast soon. Hey, sounds, sounds great. This is now one of our newest great friends, Mr. Kevin Posobiec. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Y'all have a great afternoon, and I will have some steak for y'all tonight. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I want you to listen as what the crowd was saying, how they looked as the former president left the stadium. You can hear the chanting, you can hear the loud applause. This is imagery that the Trump campaign certainly wants Iowa voters to see. Now, ahead of all of this going inside the stadium, both DeSantis and Trump were tailgating. Trump stopped at a tailgating party hosted by a fraternity. We saw him flipping burgers, signing footballs. Strategy of going toe to toe with him by staying off the debate stage and saying, since he's got a big lead nationally in the national polls, uh, that he is not going to do any of the debates. Well, if he doesn't do any of the debates, Howie, you know, we're going to give him another chance. I'm sure he's not coming to the Reagan debate. We'll give him another chance in Alabama. But if he doesn't come there, then I'm going to follow him around the country. Wherever he goes, I'll go. And we'll wind up talking to each other one way or the other. And he Are knows you that's true. going to change your travel schedule? To go where Trump goes, just so I'm clear. You bet. Are you taking the threat of a second Trump presidency seriously enough? I don't understand the question. President Biden doesn't run. Why shouldn't we consider you a likely candidate? I think the vice president is naturally one lined up, and the filing deadlines are quickly coming to pass. And I think we need to move past this notion that he's not going to run. President Biden is going to run, uh, and looking forward to getting him reelected. Uh, I think there's been so much wallowing uh, in the last few months and hammering in this respect. Uh, but we're gearing up for the campaign. We're looking forward to it. For the Democrats, the issue, of course, is Biden's age. In a CNN poll this week, nearly 7 in 10 Democrats said the party should nominate, quote, a different candidate than Joe Biden. And it was the biggest concern among 49% of all Democrats. The biggest concern was Biden's age. Overall, just 28% of Americans say Biden inspires confidence. That's down 24 points from two years ago when he was just four months into his presidency. We're heading into another presidential race. If the election were held today in Michigan, do you think Donald Trump as a Republican nominee could beat President Biden as a Democratic nominee? I'm going to look at you all right now. Everybody says Michigan's a blue state. Michigan is not. It is purple. It is a very competitive state, and Donald Trump would do well in Michigan right now. I'm not. The election's a year away. We're at a very volatile time. Uh, but I'm not taking Michigan for granted, and I'm going to say I've said that very strongly to many people. Uh, do you feel like the Biden team is taking Michigan for granted right now? Should they be doing more already to try to shore things up? Um, let's just say I think we've gotten their attention. Well, those were some of the sounds of the week. Interesting enough. Oof. Hey, uh, Noah, how do you feel... Uh, Donald Trump would do if, if Chris Christie followed him everywhere he went on the campaign trail. <laughs> <laughs> he hungry. He's going to burn a lot of gas. Mm, Truck hung, stops everywhere. Be very happy. Never going to get over that DeSantis clip. Mm.
Speaking of which, even CNN couldn't, and MSNBC had to cope and seethe while people told them that Donald Trump did amazing at his events in Iowa and now has put Michigan back in play, something that they didn't think would happen again after Donald Trump broke through the blue wall and won the Rust Belt in 2016. Uh, We here on the show will tell you completely otherwise because we've always said if Donald Trump becomes the jobs president, he can blow through the blue wall and win in the Rust Belt again. So... Kamala Harris seemed a little bit confused on whether or not an incoming Donald Trump second term was something that the Biden team just doesn't put much attention to. I don't understand the question. That was retarded. And so was she. Yeah. Now you know why she didn't talk at Ground Zero yesterday. So we have a shit show up on Capitol Hill now that the House Republicans, and, and the House itself has reconvened. We, we knew the Senate was back last week. They had done their, you know, griping about Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer, talking about the incoming budget battle with appropriations on deck now, and they're back in congressional hearings. I, I, I did get a brief look in today. I saw, well, we've got a really interesting after credit for the show today. And, <laughs> and for the OG Steak for Breakfast listeners. There's a reason why we refer to Senator John Kennedy as a national treasure. And if you wait till the end of the program today, you will hear exactly why. (laughs) It's so bad. But I did see one of the things is uh, that's a thing up on Capitol Hill this week. So there was a whistleblower now that's saying some form of intelligence agency within the federal government is trying to essentially bribe people to come out and say that COVID wasn't cooked in a lab and that it was a uh, naturally occurring thing. Mm-hmm. The, maybe a pangola had sex with the bat. How do you think Dr. Fauci would respond to that? Uh, well, uh, the science the science dictates that the, the, the pangola is actually a, well, the rapist of the animal kingdom. So it's, it's not quite unreasonable that a, a pangola would climb up and, basically 69 a bat as it hung <laughs> i didn't even serve that one up but we're talking about the the senator kennedy clip for the end of the show uh, and then noah gets into bats 69ing each other scissor me timbers yeah. so this morning and after much urging mm. and hate-filled speech online Ooh. embattled speaker kevin mccarthy returned to make an announcement regarding joe biden and the investigation into the biden crime family Let's hear it in its entirety. Taken together, these allegations paint a picture of a culture of corruption. Now here's what we know so far. Through our investigations, we have found that President Biden did lie to the American people about his own knowledge of his family's foreign business dealings. Eyewitnesses have testified that the president joined on multiple phone calls and had multiple interactions. Dinners resulted in cars and millions of dollars into his sons and his son's business partners. We know that bank records show that nearly $20 million in payments were directed to the Biden family members and associates through various shell companies. The Treasury Department alone has more than 150 transactions involving the Biden family and other business associates that were flagged as suspicious activity by U.S. banks. Even a trusted FBI informant 
has alleged a bribe to the Biden family. Biden used his official office to coordinate with Hunter Biden's business partners about Hunter's role in Burisma, a Ukrainian energy company. Finally, despite these serious allegations, it appears that the president's family has been offered special treatment by Biden's own administration. Treatment that not otherwise would have received if they were not related to the president. These are allegations of abuse of power, obstruction, and corruption. And they warrant further investigation by the House of Representatives. That's why today I am directing our House committee to open a formal impeachment inquiry. It took them long enough President to get there. Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this logical next step will give our committees the full power to gather all the facts and answers for the American public. That's exactly what we want to know, the answers. I believe the president would want to answer these questions and allegations as well. This effort will be led by Chairman James Comer at the Committee on Oversight in coordination with Chairman Jim Jordan for Judiciary Committee and Chairman Jason Smith on Ways and Means. Now, I do not make this decision lightly. And regardless of your party or who you voted for, these facts should concern all Americans. The American people deserve to know that the public offices are not for sale and that the federal government is not being used to cover up the actions of a politically associated family. Now, I would encourage the president and his team to fully cooperate with this investigation in the interests of transparency. We are committed to getting the answers for the American public. Nothing more, nothing less. We will go wherever the evidence takes us. Thank you very much. Well, it's about fucking time. Yeah, took a while to get there. <laughs> Almost as long <laughs> as it took for him to announce that they're opening up an official inquiry into impeaching Joe Biden. And again, he said that's going to be headed by Jim Jordan, who chairs the Judiciary Committee, Jamie Comer at Oversight, and Jason Smith, who chairs Ways and Means. I think, well, Noah, what do you think? I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Really? I think it's going to start up big, and then something else is going to happen to steal the thunder. Do you think it's like some people uh, kind of pry it, like Joe Biden's going to just say, fuck it and start World War III? Can't impeach me if we're warring. I hope I not. mean, you would hope that they're not as that insane, but who knows? Really? I just feel like he's going to tap out physically eventually. Say he can't do it anymore? And then he'll just be, what, non-competent to be taken to trial or impeached or whatever. Well, there are a lot of things that we haven't done which have led us to the start of this impeachment inquiry. And I'm glad that you raised some of those concerns, Noah, because one of our favorite U.S. House reps, representing the fight in Florida first, Matt Gates, much like he said over the course of the past couple weeks, returned the Capitol Hill today and came to the House floor to deliver what he felt was commentary on the announcement by Speaker McCarthy. Let's check it out. 
On this very floor in January, the whole world witnessed a historic contest for House Speaker. I rise today to serve notice. Mr. Speaker, you are out of compliance with the agreement that allowed you to assume this role. The path forward for the House of Representatives is to either bring you into immediate total compliance or remove you pursuant to a motion to vacate the chair. I like that. We have had no vote on term limits or on balanced budgets as the agreement demanded and required. There's been no full release of the January 6th tapes. As you promised, there has been insufficient accountability for the Biden crime family. And instead of cutting spending to raise the debt limit, you relied on budgetary gimmicks and rescissions so that you ultimately ended up serving as the valet to underwrite Biden's debt and advance his spending agenda. Mr. Speaker, you boasted in January that we would use the power of the subpoena and the power of the purse. But here we are, eight months later, and we haven't even sent the first subpoena to Hunter Biden. And Matt Gaetz That's gets how in you on this show for guest host. Yep. Rushed and you know, somewhat rattled performance you just saw from the speaker isn't real. At this point during Democrat control over the House of Representatives, they had already brought in Don Jr. three times. Yep. And we haven't even sent the first subpoena to Hunter Biden power of the subpoena and power of the purse. Only thing the 118th Congress is known for at this point is electing Kevin McCarthy speaker and underwriting Biden's debt. And unfortunately, there's only one of those things we can remediate at this time. Power of the purse. (laughs) Our leadership right now is asking us to vote for a continuing resolution. A vote for a continuing resolution is a vote to continue the Green New Deal, a vote to continue inflationary spending, and in the most troubling of fashions, a vote for a continuing resolution is a vote to continue the election interference of Jack Smith. Mr. Speaker, we told you how to use the power of the purse. Individual, single subject spending bills that would allow us to have specific review, programmatic analysis, and that would allow us to zero out the salaries of the bureaucrats who have broken bad, targeted President Trump, or cut sweetheart deals for Hunter Biden. Mm. September 30th is rapidly approaching and you have not put us in a position to succeed. There is no way to pass all the individual appropriations bills now. And it's not like we didn't know when September 30th was gonna show up on the calendar. I must be better, you must be better, and this house must be better for it is the last best hope for tens of millions of Republicans. We demand real oversight against this weaponized government. Just look at the bribery. If tens of millions of dollars flowing from foreign corrupt people into the bank accounts of the Biden family wasn't enough for actual impeachment, why were we even looking? Good point. Joe Biden deserves impeachment for converting the vice presidency into an ATM machine for virtually his entire family. We all see it. We all know it. Now, moments ago, Speaker McCarthy endorsed an impeachment inquiry. This is a baby step following weeks of pressure from House conservatives to do more. We must move faster. Now, I will concede that the votes I have called for will likely fail term limits, balanced budgets, maybe even impeachment. I am prepared for that eventuality because at least if we take votes, the American people get to see who's fighting for them and who's willing to tolerate more corruption and business as usual. Got to get the receipts. Mr. Speaker, dust off our written January agreement. You have a copy. Reflect on the spirit of that agreement and build on the start that we had moments ago. 
began to comply. No continuing resolutions, individual spending bills are bust, votes on balanced budgets and term limits, subpoenas for Hunter Biden and the members of the Biden family who've been grifting off of this country, and the impeachment for Joe Biden that Ooh. he so richly deserves. Do these things or face a motion to vacate the chair. Mm -hmm. And let me alert the country. A motion to vacate might not pass at first, but it might before the 15th vote. <laughs> and if Democrats bail out McCarthy, as they may do, then I will lead the resistance to this uniparty and the Biden-McCarthy-Jeffries government Ouch. that they are attempting to build. I know that Washington isn't a town where people are known for keeping their word. Well, Speaker McCarthy, I'm here to hold you to yours. I yield back. All right. Listen, that, that had a little bit more gusto to it. Number one, we don't deserve Matt Gates. We're very fortunate to have him here in America First. Not only that, but the fire and, and you know, tenacity that he brings, the fact that not only is he America First, but he's trump aligned makes it like a best two for one. Mm -hmm. Number two, I didn't hear anything really outrageous of claims, you know, things he wants Kevin McCarthy to be doing that he didn't already agree on to eight months ago. Not only that, why couldn't Kevin McCarthy bring a little bit of the fire to his speaking engagement when he talked about opening an inquiry to Joe Biden and the crime family? Why couldn't he have the same kind of passion in his voice when he knows that, listen... Because he, he knows he's not talking the truth? <laughs> no, this is the biggest political scandal in the history of our country. Yeah. And, and, you should and, be fired up about it. Yeah. You know, this, this, was, this is what made or break presidencies during Watergate scandal and, and after the JFK assassination, you know, during the church commission and everything in between. Uh, this is like that times infinity. And we've reached a point right now to where politics has become a joke and the uniparty is a lot bigger than anybody thinks. You know, we, ha we had... I think people have just accepted how big it is now. It's like, well, what are we going to do? Yeah. If I go against it, I'm going to end up in prison for 20 years for... For wandering around outside the Capitol. Or not even being in Washington, D.C. Yeah. So, you know, when, when... I briefly entertained flying out there for that. I'm so glad I didn't now. When they showed videos yesterday of the pronouns-laden uh, abortionists taking over Kevin McCarthy's office, I, my quote tweet was, there are people who thought about January 6th that received more jail time than any of these things will. Oh, yeah. They'll get no jail time. None. And it's just the, the way this country has spiraled down and, and is circling the drain into oblivion. It's just, listen, we tell you guys every week, this isn't the same shit you're going to hear on, on, in the mainstream media. I, I wish it was, but then we'd be out of a job. Just for the sole fact, and I hate to be at the back end of the show and talking about it again, Fox News broke a story last night on Jesse Waters that we literally put on our social media two years ago. <laughs> yeah, August like, 29th. Like it was something 2021. new. So embarrassing to see the, the stuff that they spoon-feed people and how, you know. And then when you look at politicians on the other side of the aisle, the Uniparty and, and its size, you think they're worried about not only what Kevin McCarthy milk-toastedly said this morning and then what Matt Gates delivered a little bit more fiery on the House floor. Let's get a couple bits of commentary before we jump in with former Iceland Ambassador Jeff Gunter and talk to him about his senatorial campaign and the events of the past weekend. Here's... Pennsylvania, I'm air quoting now, Congressman, Senator John Fetterman reacting oh. to Kevin McCarthy. Oh my God, really? 
Oh my gosh, you know, oh, it's devastating. <laughs> Ooh, don't do it. Please don't do it. Oh no, oh no. His handlers were like, stop doing that. Come on, we're going to go. Come on. Hey. No, they did, but listen, these people fucking hate you. They, they oh, have yeah. no respect for you. Like, to, to joke sometimes online when I share shit out of this regime and, and like, it's a post directed towards peasants, it's so much worse than that. Yeah. And, and I don't think that people who get up in the morning and just go to work and, and live their lives and get in their car at the end of the day and go home and do it all over again without making any kind of effort to better yourself or better your family or get involved, you're just as complicit as the people who are... I mean, there's the biggest retard, literally and metaphorically, in Congress, shitting on you because he knows most likely nothing's going to happen. It's going to go nowhere. And if you want to go up to the tippy top, toppy tip of leadership in the Senate, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, he had a brief statement when asked about this today in our last audio clip of the day. Let's hear it. The impeachment inquiry is absurd. The American people want us to do something that will make their lives better not go off on these chases and uh, witch hunts. Witch hunts. The bottom line is, as we've said, you can only accomplish keeping the government open in a bipartisan way. Donald Trump is facing jail time for using terms like witch hunts. Yeah. And there's Chuck Schumer saying that the inquiry is a witch hunt. Is a witch hunt. So that's kind of where we're at today. It was a busy start of the week. Very somber with 9-11 yesterday, but, you know... Capitol Hill has turned into a dumpster fire today. Do you think they'll say the impeachment was rigged and stolen eventually? Ooh. Well, only in the votes. Yeah. And then we'll have... <laughs> I don't even want to go there. Listen, it's been a busy week. We've got a lot of stuff that we're tracking, looking for our Friday edition of the show this week, which is going to be an absolute heater as well. We're getting ready to sit in with Nevada senatorial candidate, former ambassador to Iceland, Dr. Jeff Gunter. But before we do that, Let's hear from one of our partners. I think it's time we had a conversation about a good night's sleep. Pillow King of Minnesota, Mike Lindell, and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family has been cranking out savings down at MyPillow for over 20 years. And for the first time in 20 years, they've changed the long-standing MyPillow and now have the MyPillow version 2.0. You enter promo code STAKE at checkout, you're going to get buy one, get one free. In addition to that, they've got great savings on all things like MyPillow dog beds, the Air Lindell version 1 and 2, My Slippers, and Giza Dream Everything. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. When you need a promo code stake here, you're going to get 25% off your order or 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash stake for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash stake, or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. All right, joining us next on the show today, this big Tuesday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. He was the 24th U.S. ambassador to Iceland. He's also a doctor, diplomat, America First patriot, and friend. He's currently running for the U.S. Senate in the great state of Nevada. Always great to sit down with Dr. Jeff Gunter. Doctor, welcome back to the show. Hey, you guys. So excited to be here. Wild times, huh? Yeah. Amazing what can happen. You have a president who's cognitively massively impaired funny how that stirs the world and uh that's what we have going on right now it's uh been pretty wild to say the least i want to start out with yesterday we had the remembrance of the 9-11 terrorist attacks on the united states and for the first time ever a sitting president was not 
uh, available to speak or participate in a ceremony in New York City, Washington, D.C., or rural Pennsylvania. Dr. Gunter, someone as, you know, he knows his way around a ceremony, being an ambassador internationally like you served, and you know the importance of the optics when we need to project American strength. To see Joe Biden just kind of pass on the opportunity to uh, be there and be present uh, at, at any of the 9-11 memorial services, how, how did that resonate with you? Oh, it, it, it's painful. It's um, terrible. And it's inexcusable. Uh, the reality is when you're in a leadership role, as the U.S. ambassador, I was exemplary and plenipotentiary. I had the full authority of the president of the United States. One of your roles is to lead and to comfort those around you. And he has absolutely no ability to do that, no desire. And to be quite honest, it makes him the cruelest president we've ever had. Many would say he's the most incompetent. I would agree with that. But on top of it, he's been cruel. He's cruel to the Gold Star families. He's cruel to the victims of 9-11. His incompetence, his mental loss of faculties makes him a very cruel and heartless individual. And that's what we're witnessing here, guys, a very cruel president. No, it certainly is. And, you know, we, we've always thought about it on the show and kind of come to the reasonable deduction that Joe Biden might have it in for our U.S. armed services. I mean, obviously, we all know Bo Biden did not die in theater, even though he did succumb to cancer uh, about a decade ago. However, Joe Biden now, in reflecting on it, often uh, talks about military service and, and maybe, you know, the, the fact that he was stationed close to burn pits as part of, you know, being what might have triggered the cancer that Bo had before he passed away. In addition, when Joe Biden was the vice president of the United States, we all know that Hunter Biden had his big scandal and was, you know, kicked out of the Navy Reserve. So I think the fact that Joe Biden couldn't use his Joe Bidenness to save Hunter when he got in trouble, he might have kind of, you know, a, a hard heart towards the U.S. military and, and maybe their families and the way he kind of presents himself when, when he's around, you know, uh, ceremonies or he goes to events where it's like you said, for Gold Star families or even the Medal of Honor uh, last week. It's just, it's kind of weird to see. It's like there's something there, but it's just not made public. 100%. The way he walked out before the benediction at a Congressional Medal of Honor Foundation event, it's, it's absolutely cruel. The way he talks to our military as if his son, his son passed away in action, completely not true. And that also is cruel. Joe Biden is the cruelest president we've ever had with respect to comforting the American people. And that's why he's doing so poorly in the polls. And that's the exact opposite of the greatest president we ever had since Abraham Lincoln, Donald J. Trump. You just have to compare the way the two act and what they do. And the distinction is startling. And he's, he's a cruel president. And that's what we have right there in place. No, it certainly is. Did it surprise you otherwise, Ambassador, to see that uh, Joe Biden went and, and on 9-11, one of the most somberest uh, you know, days in our nation's history to go and, and publicly announce that they've reworked a portion of the Iran deal with the terrorist nation, which would free up about $6 billion in frozen assets and, and in turn uh, allow for a prisoner transfer between our two countries? Absolutely not. Nothing surprises me with this president. Uh, think about it. The danger of Iran having a nuclear uh, bomb, sworn enemies of Israel, sworn enemies of America, and uh, that's what he's up to. None of this is surprising at all. And uh, that's what you get when you supposedly elect a president who was living in the basement during the entire uh, election of 2020. This is what you get.
He's an unmitigated disaster. No, he has been, and so is the rest of his administration has been. Uh, you know, we've got the breaking news today that Kevin McCarthy is finally opening up the impeachment inquiry. Uh, we know if just based off the receipts that some of the all-stars in the U.S. House of Representatives on the Republican side, like James Comer and Jim Jordan, have already unearthed it, uh, we should see a, a pretty quick inquiry and then hopefully into formal impeachment process uh, soon thereafter. Dr. Gunter, I want to talk to you about Donald Trump's busy weekend. It was uh, a great weekend for the for the 45th president. He made a campaign stop in South Dakota and <laughs> met with Trump ally Kristi Noem, the governor there, and they had a great event. She seems very supportive of uh, Donald Trump's bid to become the Republican nominee for the third consecutive cycle. And uh, I kind of got some VP vibes from, from that. I don't know how you feel about it. But in addition, he, he got on a jet and, and Trump Force One headed down to Iowa and he attended the Iowa... Iowa State game and was well received by everyone from inside the frat house to the entirety of the stadium there. Watching President Trump continue to rise on the campaign trail, how do you think uh, this is all shaping up for him as he nears, uh, you know, we actually start getting close to the beginning of primary season? It's, it's unbelievable to compare and contrast with Joe Biden, who announces that he's going to sleep at the uh, G20 summit. And here's President Trump from a great, great, phenomenal rally with Christy Noem, drops down into Iowa, throwing football, signing things. That's called leadership, and that's leading the country. So, you know, people talk about here in Nevada, Nevada being Trump country. I would say the USA is Trump country at this point. His numbers in the polls are phenomenal, leading by 46% in a national poll. So it's not only here in Nevada that we see it being Trump country. The USA is becoming Trump country, and quite honestly, always been. Listen, you make an excellent point there, and it, it kind of segues to where I want to touch on last. It's probably the most important part of this interview because we do want to focus on you. You are part of the equation that literally wants to help make America great again next year. When people go to the ballot box in Nevada, they will have the opportunity to vote for you as you're running for the U.S. Senate seat in Nevada. And we would like to give our listenership the opportunity to hear the absolute latest on your campaign. Campaign is going fantastic, unbelievably well. The social media response, our digital fundraising, is almost unheard of. Why? Because people understand that I am the only, the only true America First candidate in this election. People also understand that Jackie Rosen is a rubber stamp for Joe Biden, and they've had enough. And people understand that my primary opponent, Scam Brown, or if you want to call him Captain Scam Brown, is just a big phony. The guy is a tool of Mitch McConnell. He's a tool of Deep State Danes, DSD, who's heading up the NRSC right now. And this is just a bunch of rich guys and elite D.C. politicians trying to prop up a three-time loser. Sam Brown lost in Texas. He had big bills there. He then scammed everyone with the terrible donor email where literally 2% of the money went to the causes that he was talking about. And now he's in Nevada trying to thread the needle of whether he supports Donald Trump or not, waiting to see. The reality is Dr. Jeff Gunter, my entire team, we're not threading needles. We're driving Big Mac trucks because we're America first and we support the president of the United States. And why wouldn't we? 1%, 1% inflation. Three and a half percent unemployment, uh, the lowest uh, illegal immigration almost ever, building the wall, stopping fentanyl, 
the list goes on and on and on, deregulating the government, lowering taxes. This is about making America first. This is about making America great. And that's why our campaign is catching on fire. And that's why Captain Scam Brown is doing terrible right now. Oh, I mean, listen, when you talk about some of the things that have happened in, in the great state of Nevada over the last seven years uh, in comparison of when Donald Trump was in office to nearly the first three years that Joe Biden was there, it, just in Nevada alone, you have record unemployment, record inflation, an opioid epidemic. You have a corridor for human trafficking that was never as present as it's been present before. You have a big, huge problem with homelessness. Kids' educational test scores are down. Families are spending nearly 70% of their earnings on food, fuel, and shelter. And in a place like Nevada, especially with a couple great cities there like Reno and Las Vegas, and all of the industry they've got going on there, the people can't take it anymore. So they're going to have a clear-cut opportunity to make that choice and help make America great again next fall. And you have decided to throw your name in the ring, and that's why we are always happy when you can come on the show and share with us. Absolutely, and I'm so blessed to be here on your show. We've talked about it. Uh, podcasts like yourself, you are the tip of the spear. You are pushing back against the deep state. You are pushing back against the D.C. elites. And don't forget, all this is about trying to erode our democracy. That is what they're doing. They're trying to take the families and replace it with the government. They're, taking, take, they're literally trying to take the law and prevent the greatest president of the United States since Abraham Lincoln from running. And you guys... You guys are the transparency. You guys are the light that shines on the democracy of America and all your listeners as well. We're doing great in Nevada. Nevadans have had enough. They, quite frankly, can't take it anymore. Like you said, you know, fuel prices and food prices and everything else is eating into their, eating into their lifestyle, their ability to support their families. And the last thing they want is the government telling them how to raise their children. So thank you for what you guys are doing. God bless you. No, Incredible work you're doing. We will continue to support your endeavors and your campaign. Uh, Dr. Gunter, we want to be able to live link everything in the show description today. For, so for people that aren't following you on social media and especially your campaign website where they can help donate and get involved. Absolutely. DrJeffGunter.com. DrJeffGunter.com. Let's make America great. Let's make Nevada great. Go in there and click any amount that you wanted to click towards the campaign is deeply appreciated and let's stop these government gangsters and let's make america and nevada great again absolutely and absolutely fantastic sitting down with the former ambassador to iceland and current senatorial candidate in the great state of nevada dr jeff gunter thanks for joining us on the show today god bless you guys and god bless your great listeners out there we made it noah we made it you barely made it today that was rough i was scared if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast and want to hear the now nearly 275 other editions of the show, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. Subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or iHeartRadio. Make sure you rate the show five stars, leave a review, and then on social medias, Twitter, Getter, True Social, and Instagram. Check out the State for Breakfast podcast, follow the accounts, and hit the notification bell. We want to thank all of our guests for joining us today. The official spokeswoman for the 45th president of the United States, Miss Liz Harrington. Senate candidate in the great state of Nevada, Dr. Jeff Gunter. Senior editor at large, podcast host, Mr. Josh Hammer and Kevin Pasovic. They all helped make Steak Great Again. Guys, I know it's only Tuesday and you got to wait three days to hear the next episode, but don't worry. 
We'll be back on Friday with an absolute heater of a lineup. Jim Nels will be joining us to do some of the news. We'll sit down with Arizona Senate candidate Sheriff Lamb, former Secretary of the Interior David Bernhardt, everybody's favorite PAPS enthusiast Cash Patel, and Colonel Douglas McGregor will be here. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah, later. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week, and take care. I put some lube on and got him on his knees. And I began to slide into him from behind. I pulled out of him and kissed him while he masturbated. He asked me to turn over while he slipped a condom on himself. This was my ass, and I was struggling to imagine someone inside me. He got on top and slowly inserted himself into me. It was the worst pain I think I have ever felt in my life. Eventually, I felt a mix of pleasure with the pain. I got a new strap-on harness today. I can't wait to put it on you. It will fit my favorite dildo perfectly. You're going to look so hot. I can't wait to have your cock in my mouth. I'm going to give you the blowjob of your life. Then I want you inside of me. Scissor me timbers! Ooh, ooh.